I want to be known as the guy that helps people engineer influence online. And if I do that for the rest of my life, for this group of people, I'm okay with it. And that's hard to get to that point. So many people have a hard time going, this is what I want to be known for. And I'm okay if I'm linked to this one thing, because they want to be known for five different things. And I was like, well, that's not how people's brains work. You know, figure out one thing and you're going to have to be okay with the fact that they don't know all the other amazing facets of your personality. Let the people that get into your world find out those amazing things about you. You know, the fact that I'm, that I enjoy playing music and stuff like that in my spare time, I don't expect to get quote unquote known in my business circles for being a musician first. Like that doesn't make any sense. I'm going to be the micro famous guy. And then if you get into my world, you'll find out other things about me like that. And that's fine. You just have to like at an identity level, you have to get okay with being known for one thing. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, episode 682. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. Hey, you all know that I have bloopers. I have kids who interrupt who like a podcast bomb. I don't know if that's a thing. I speak fluent typos. Well, today I just want to let you know that if my audio quality is not as good as it normally is, please don't abandon right away. I think that one of my kids picked up and maybe played drums with my microphone in between my last recording and this one. And I only discovered it when our awesome guest, Matt Johnson, and I popped on today. So Matt, I am so thrilled that you're here. I've loved our pre-chat so far. I know we're going to have a fabulous time, but thank you for coming. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think the audio will be just fine. Uh, you've got your official like Apple earbuds with the built-in microphone. So I think we're going to have an awesome time and uh, it'll be just fine. Thank you. Matt is an agency founder. Oh my gosh, the bloopers are in full bloom today. Uh, Matt is an agency founder and also the author of Microfamous. I'm intrigued and I know listeners are as well. Microfamous, explain to me please because I want to know more. Okay. So I've been producing podcasts since 2015 and almost all my clients were probably the same clients you work with. So business coaches, mostly in the entrepreneurial space. And so they're experts at what they do. They're experts at how to grow a business. However, they also have really, really big goals. And so a lot of times that meant that when I was helping them with their podcasts and even just with their marketing in general, they were basically trying to run before they'd even started to crawl, right? And they didn't, they didn't really understand what it took to kind of stand out and cut through the noise. And so I found that a lot of the people that I worked with, they they started off like marketing themselves too generally, you know, trying to speak to too many different types of people, too many different types of ideal clients. We've all done it. I did I'm it. I'm pointing to myself. For those of you who are watching on YouTube, for those of you who are listening, I'm over here pointing to myself. <laughs> yeah. And we, I think we've all done it. And so I wanted to take some of the experiences and some of the lessons that I've learned from helping people find out who the right people are, helping them build an engineer influence to become famously influential to those people and really put it into a whole like methodology that's very easy to understand, very easy to implement and really flips the script so that it's not about like setting smaller goals. It's not about like trying to crawl before you run or anything like that. It's about resetting the goal to where Look, if you want to impact millions of people, that's awesome. But you still start with where you're at right now and become micro famous to the exact right people first and then set yourself up, you know, build that cult following and then build from there. So I wanted to set that because I work with a lot of emerging thought leaders, people Mm -hmm. that are kind of getting started in their thought leadership journey. And uh, that's the biggest hurdle to overcome is just don't, don't try to appeal to everyone. Don't try to be everywhere online, be who you are, figure out the right people and figure out how to be famously influential to them first. And then it opens up this whole world of really awesome options. Oh, I love that so much. And I got to tell you, back in 2015, 2016, I was watching, you know, Amy Porterfield and Kim Luna and Brendan Burchard and all those huge names. And I wanted to build a course and I thought I needed to build a course like they had because it was working so well for them. So I didn't think about, okay, what am I good at? What can I share? And I remember sitting here right at this desk 
working on recording this course and thinking that I had to make it all the way through in one take. Oh, gosh. Just breaking down crying. Mm. And finally, my husband said to me, and I didn't know what positive productivity meant, even to me. I had come up with the name, mm. but I didn't know what it meant. And my husband, please, Amy, don't take offense to this should you ever listen. But he said, do you think old girl, he calls all, all other women except for me, old girl, do you think old girl goes through one whole like video without any bloopers? He's like, no. She makes a mistake. She stops. She probably uses a couple choice four letter words. That's not exactly how he said it. He let me know exactly which ones he thought she uses. Then she takes a deep breath and her team edits it out and she keeps on going. And I was like, oh, I don't have to be perfect. But then I still thought I had to be perfect. (laughs) <laughs> for another few years. So, so you learned the lesson and then promptly forgot about the lesson immediately? Well, I got it as far as the podcast went. I mean, I, I introduced blooper reels really early. Yeah. And now in everything that I do, I mean, we're probably, the bloopers are just going to be included in this episode. I've yeah. stopped because <laughs> bloopers connect me to people more. I yeah. mean, who wants, I don't want perfect. Mm-hmm. The hell with perfect, okay? Like, yeah. And now I'm finally showing like my messy house, the fact that I drive like a car that's prehistoric, you know? <laughs> Just, I drive a 1996 GMC conversion van, okay? It is ugly <laughs> as heck, but it runs. And I, yeah. I think we may drive like 2,000 miles a year. So why am I going to go invest... Why am I going to go pay more than my monthly house payment for a new car just as a status symbol of success? I don't mm-hmm. live in LA. I don't need to do that. Like my mm-hmm. car fits in good around here. <laughs> <laughs> and that is true. I was going to say in the Midwest, you can absolutely get a house payment under what most people pay for their Mercedes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My kid and I were looking at a new Ford van. He's like, mom, it's only 700 a month. I'm like, yeah, our house is like... 800 a month. I remember when that was twice my parents' house payment. Yeah. Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's so interesting that you say that because I think a lot of people do look at like the Brendan Richards and Amy Porterfields of the world. And I think they do their best to show their authentic side too. But at some point when you're running a business that generates $9 million in course sales, like you're just, yeah. you're a little too unrelatable. And even when you do mess up, you're like, yeah, but that's, that's Amy Porterfield. She can get away with that. And you're like, no, no. Like that's part of what uh-huh. makes them authentic. And yeah, there's just there's just a lot of looking up to folks like that that are already running it and they're they're running wildly successful seven figure business and you forget. Like somebody told me the other day that Amy Porterfield's first course launch was all of two thousand dollars. And I would never believe that because I didn't encounter Amy until five years into her business journey. Mm-hmm. Well, well past that point. Yeah. And we have to recognize that that's where most people will find us is way after we've got most of all these kinks worked out. That's when most people are going to find us. So don't worry about being perfect. Oh my gosh. Uh, like looking back at my first landing pages, my first sales pages, they are so horrifically ugly. <laughs> I hope that I deleted them from lead pages because I never want to see them again. But I I didn't think, like, I thought that because I had zero sales, I was unsuccessful and I should just give up. But I also, I wasn't even micro famous because I was not putting myself out there at all. Like, I thought that since I couldn't be perfect, that I shouldn't expose myself to anybody. And I don't mean like flash my boobs. I just mean like (laughs) be out there and sharing anything, you know, but I I was sharing with you and I don't usually timestamp, but right before we hopped on, we're in the midst of COVID-ish times. I mean, <laughs> depending on where you live, you have different experiences. But my kids are back in school. And somebody on the, on the football team just got diagnosed. So I'm over here laughing because all of a sudden 120 kids are getting sent home for the next two weeks. I mean, mm-hmm. please do not send me hate mail, listeners. I'm just like, because <laughs> <laughs> every single day is another report. Yep. Here's another staff member. Here's another staff member. But I know that like, you know, a lot of people are not sharing this stuff, but there's a lot of parents who are experiencing this right now and they don't know whether to pull their hair out or get another margarita. I do both. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Right. It's it's, it's a, it's a very weird time. And, And thank God, like both of us have 
you know, essentially businesses where we work from home. It like it doesn't it doesn't affect you that much. And uh, granted, having your kids roaming around the house while you're trying to work isn't the easiest thing, mm-hmm. but it doesn't completely disrupt your life. You don't have to take the next two weeks of your life off of work just to handle the kids that are now home. And that's unfortunately reality for for others, some other people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How did you start your business? What inspired you to get to to do it? Well, so I was, uh, I come into what I'm doing, which is like podcast production. I run an agency that just does podcast production for thought leaders. And I came to it from that space. Like I was a, a partner in a couple of coaching consulting businesses and the way that we marketed them was to run podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I came out of an agency that kind of hooked me up with some of the, the first key relationships and the, the CEO of that agency is still one of my best friends. So I got kind of, I got introduced to some people and I started to be able to host live Google Hangouts, right? Back when mm-hmm. that was like first a thing. Is that still a thing, by the way? It's it's kind of still a thing. You can do YouTube live. Well, actually, we we still stream our podcast to YouTube. So it's just called something different. But it did, it did morph and change a little bit. But when that was first coming out, it looked really awesome. And a lot of people were doing some cool stuff with it. So So we jumped on that bandwagon. And one of those people I was doing those Google Hangouts with called me up one day and said, hey, man, we should start a podcast together in real estate. And mm-hmm. so we formed like this unofficial coaching business behind the scenes that led to me being a partner in a couple of other businesses. But the way that we marketed it all was through podcasting. And so I was running at one point three different podcasts in the real estate space. So I was on live video between four and six hours a week. And so I couldn't, I didn't have time for anything else between that and growing the businesses behind the scenes. So I had to put like a whole team together that did the podcast side so that I could just show up and talk and have somebody else do everything else. And so when we started to book guests on those shows, they would ask me like, hey, like, how in the world are you doing all this content? And so I would tell them about the team that I built and they would go, can I like rent them when they're not working for you? And so I started letting them rent my team basically when they weren't working for me. And that worked for a while until we had too many people and then that broke. And then I had to turn it into an agency. And at some point I realized that I was in four different businesses. I'm like, well, this, this is not a good thing. I was walking away from every meeting with a mile long to-do list and I had I was having way more to do than I wanted to. And so I pulled back from all those other stuff. I'm still a partner in one of the real estate businesses, which is mostly passive on my part. And I just put 100% of my focus into the agency. And so that's that's what led to all the experiences that I had with growing a coaching consulting business through podcasting that led to all the the content that eventually went into the book. And it was all like, I have no allegiance to podcasting itself, my allegiance is to growing a thought leadership business and reaching yeah. the right people. And right now, just podcasting is one of the best mechanisms I think you'll ever find for doing that. So that's kind of my uh, the short story of how I got into doing what I do now. And I essentially just got pulled into running an agency by the demand. I just followed what people were asking for and what got them to say, wow, like I did not know that existed. We need to talk about that again. And when I started getting that response, I'm like, I should really should go down that path, the stuff that really gets people saying, holy cow, I didn't know that thing existed. I want to go back to what you were talking about, renting your team out. Mm-hmm. I launched my podcast in 2016, and I feel so embarrassed right now. Like I, Here I am with a podcast producer and talking on my earbuds. <laughs> <That's> not, <laughs> it's not something I normally do. But I launched my show as a daily show because I, oh, wow. yeah, I would never do that again. <laughs> Plus, my production team let me go very early because they were too overwhelmed. So mm-hmm. I was trying to do everything myself. I didn't oh my know gosh. about tools like Rev or Temi. You know, the I don't even know what I'm using right now. I forgot Otter. I think I'm using, we're using right now. I'm not even the one doing it anymore. But I was trying to do everything myself. I was transcribing my episodes by hand, listening oh to the daily show transcribing by hand and I couldn't understand why I was burnt out. I didn't even realize I was burnt out. Like I was so far off the deep end of craziness that I didn't Mm. realize I was off the deep end anymore. Like, does that make sense? It's weird because I was talking to a client of mine about that the other day. And like, we'll have these periodic chats. And one of the things that, that she said to me is she said something to the effect of, you know, there's sometimes I need you to slap me when I think I've come up with this amazing thing that I want to do to grow the business, because most of the time I commit to it. And then two months later, I feel burnt out and I don't remember why. And you remind me, oh, it was because of that brilliant idea I had two months ago that I shouldn't have done. 
but I got all excited about it. And I think we do that to ourselves over and over again. It, it helps just to have like an outside perspective of somebody else looking and going, yeah, you feel burnt out now because of something you committed to two months ago that you forgot about. And now it's just part of your routine and you think you have to do it. And I think we get in ourselves in, into those situations all the time. Like you're transcribing daily episodes because you made a commitment and you want to follow through. And that's great. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have to follow through on everything that you committed to. Right. <laughs> like sometimes there's a time to drop it mm-hmm. and there's a time to hire somebody else and not feel burnt out. That's the part about productivity that I was never on board with is that I don't think productivity means doing lots and lots of things for eight to 10 hours a day super efficiently. Because I think if you're the owner of the business, you've got to have time to space and space to think and make good decisions. And you don't make good decisions when you're just booked back to back. Yeah, no, I have a good, better, best goal for each day. Mm-hmm three tasks. And that's what I, that's what I focus on getting done because I used to have the list of like 30 items. And if I got three done, you know, that was a lot, but I never thought it was a lot, but now having three items total, when I get one done, I'm thrilled, you know? And I know that was one thing I learned from the agency owner I used to work for. And I would have never guessed that being successful entailed doing it this way, but I watched it in person. I would watch him get one thing done. Mm-hmm. one little part of a system built, or he takes something and he would turn it over to somebody else inside the agency. And he would roll out of there at one, two o'clock in the afternoon, go home, take a nap, spend time yeah. with his kids, stuff like yeah. that. And I remember watching him like, how can you be happy and satisfied with your day? Mm-hmm. Like I've got all these things on my to-do list. And he's like, it's like I, I got something off of my plate that's now a system that's going to happen without me. So that was an extremely right. productive day. Right. And it was like, it was like a, a light bulb went off and that that's a, like, I had to see it. I had to see that it worked for someone that was running a multi-million dollar business right. to go, oh, this is how real deal entrepreneurs do this. They're not putting 17 things on their to-do list and beating themselves up for only getting 99% of them done. Right. He put a lot less on his to-do list, but it was the right stuff. Absolutely. Actually, when we cut back on our podcast, it was because my team told me, you've got too much on your plate. <laughs> you're burning yourself out. You're burning us out. I mean, I couldn't keep up with my own seven. Well, you just said you would be on camera four to six hours a week. I was on podcast interviews for one show, like six to 10 hours a week, because I needed to make sure that I had, you know, some in the bag. Right. And I can't hardly even keep up with the shows that I listen to that only release one episode a week. There's no <laughs> way I'm going to keep up with shows that release seven. So I know, I know. And they annoy the <laughs> heck out of me. So it's like unsubscribe. Well, and we're in this, uh, we're in this weird place where I feel like, I feel like every business podcast aspires to like leave you with actionable things that you can do. Mm-hmm. And when there was nothing out there for business podcasts, that was an admirable goal. Yeah. Now I feel like it's flipped to where people have so many things rammed down their throat on social media and in podcasting where we're constantly adding more stuff to their to-do list, like seven tactics to do this and five ways you can Uh do this, three tips for that. And I I feel like people are overwhelmed to the point where now they're looking for ways to take things off of their to-do list. Mm -hmm. So like I shifted, like my micro famous podcast is about making good strategic decisions and taking a step back and breathing. Mm. Like when you listen to the podcast, you I don't add things to your to-do list. I show you how to take things off of your to-do list. Love it. Right? Yep. And so I think we're shifting a little bit. I think there's still plenty of podcasts out there that focus on you walking away with actionable stuff. And there's no there's nothing bad about that. But I do think the fact that every show seems to be about that has created an environment where people feel like we're just adding stuff to their to-do list. Yeah. And if you can figure out how to take things off of people's to-do list, I think you have a really good chance of winning, whether it's in a podcast or you're marketing, you're coaching, you're consulting, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I actually have found that when I'm super stressed and really busy and they don't have to go hand in hand, but I cannot listen to business podcasts for exactly that reason. No. Because they always inspire me. And I love how you were talking about your your client with the ideas. Because I've been talking about writing my book for the past four years, Chronic Idea Disorder, The Entrepreneur's <laughs> Guide to Overcoming Idea Overwhelm. Okay. And I just had to let that, had to go back on the shelf for right now. Because yeah. I'm realizing that's just another thing. I need to focus on 
doing one thing really well instead of doing a whole bunch of things crappy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I went through that too when I looked up and I realized I was in four businesses. And here's why. This is the mistake that I made. I think it's the, one of the biggest mistakes I've made in my entire life is I got this idea in my head that because all the businesses I was in was in one industry, that that was focusing. So the idea was, oh, I'm going to be like in this world of coaching and consulting in the real estate space so that I have all these joint venture relationships and stuff. So if anybody came into my world and they bought something, I made a piece of it. Either it was from a business that I directly was a partner in or something where I had a rev share, a joint venture agreement or whatever. So I had all this stuff in place thinking that that was focusing. And then I look at my my mentor who ran my old agency and they sell one thing to one type of person. And that's what gives him the freedom to take off at one o'clock in the afternoon, right? Because they get really, really good at doing one one kind of thing. And so I always had that example in my head. And one day I just realized I I woke up one day. I think I probably got off of a meeting where my to do list got thirty items longer, and I went, I cannot do this anymore. And it dawned on me that my, my thinking about focus was all wrong. You know, just being in one industry and doing a lot of stuff, even for the same kind of person, that's not focus selling one thing to one kind of person, that's focus. And so when I started to get, like started to apply that and I got out of all those other businesses and focused on just the one thing, that released, you know, energy and clarity and confidence and like it just, it made everything in my life better. Yeah. And now because of that, I'm to the point now where the agency, I can run it in three to four hours a week and I take off and I don't book any calls in the afternoon, you know, and I'm able to work on music again, which I had to set that on the back burner for years when I was starting the business. Now I'm able to work on that again. I'm going into the studio in two weeks. I wouldn't have time to do that kind of stuff if I was working a 40 hour week in the Mm -hmm. business. Right. And so, but all of those good things that happened, it came about as a result of focusing on one thing to one person. And I think just like all that decision came from who are the right people for me, you know, and I really had to make a decision on who those right people were and to kind of let everybody else go. And that's a really hard decision for most people to make. There's just something inside of us that screams against making that kind of decision that kind of cuts us off from certain types of potential clients. And income too. It's like, okay, so if I say no, am I going to get another opportunity? I've just gone through that in the past year. And I'm kicking myself now that I've gone through it and I'm seeing the sun again. I mean, I'm literally going outside. (laughs) There was was a while when you were trapped in your house, just kind of like keeping up with the workload. Like Sandra Bullock, how her neighbors in the net never knew who she was. (laughs) Do you remember? I mean, am am I just dating myself? It's been a while since I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Listeners who are, you know, a decade younger than me, it, this movie is from 1994 and Sandra Bullock was working on computers and she, this, like, I remember being so blown away that she ordered a pizza over the internet in 1994. <laughs> That's never going to happen, right? Like, and uh, yeah, so, but her neighbors wouldn't have recognized her and up until the end of last year, my neighbors wouldn't have known who I was. Like, I didn't, I didn't know that my next door neighbor's name was Anita. Yeah. And now, I mean, I think I had dinner with, in 2018. I had dinner with my family 10 times. Matt, that's a problem because I have five kids. Okay. So mm-hmm. there's seven of us. So, and there's a set of twins. So let's just call them six. Okay. Because they share a birthday. So six birthdays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. That's nine. And then one, mm-hmm. maybe one other dinner in there. But wow. I was so busy being busy that I, I couldn't even take a step back to realize this is wrong. Like I, I didn't give myself to take a step back and say, uh, you should be charging like three to four times more than you are. Mm -hmm. And then when I started to get a glimpse of that, I was like, uh, but can you, I don't know. Why don't you try? And then it was amazing, but I really, I had to hit rock bottom, like absolute rock bottom to be able to Mm -hmm. see that. Would you call coming out of that meeting and having another list of 30 items, was that rock bottom or was there something more that led you to realizing that you needed to make a change? No, that's totally what it was. I was addicted to saying yes. Oh, yeah. I was addicted to the prospect of doing cool things with people that I really enjoyed. And I got caught up into the vision of each of those businesses and that's fine. But yes, it happened 
over and over and over again to the point where I finally hit rock bottom. I'm like, I cannot keep up with this. Like I'm going to have to work 12 hour days and I don't have the energy for that. Like I deal with like chronic fatigue, adrenal fatigue, stuff like that. I don't have 10 hours of good energy in me. I could not be Gary V if you paid me a million dollars a year just to do what he does. Like I don't yeah. have that kind of energy. So all that to say, absolutely. And I do the same thing, right? So my price has doubled and then doubled again since I first started my production agency, but not just because I decided I was worth it, quote unquote. I was able to raise the prices because the more that I narrowed down and focused on who I served and what we did for them, I was able to like jettison the stuff that we were doing that wasn't right, the stuff that wasn't making an impact. I was able to jettison you know, having a couple of different packages to appeal to different levels of people at different stages. So it got rid of all of that. That got rid of variety, which meant I was able to build really, really solid, predictable systems in the business so that everybody on the team knew exactly what we do for each client because it's the same thing. I was able to refine that down into intellectual property, right? That made the book easier to write because right. I knew exactly what system we were offering. So all that came from like just that, that one decision, right? Mm -hmm. One thing, so one thing to one time, one type of person. If I hadn't done that, like none of those good things would have happened and I wouldn't have been able to raise my prices because it wasn't, I didn't raise my prices because I decided I was worth it. I raised my prices because I became more valuable to the right kind of person and I figured out who the most valuable slice of my market was and I zeroed in on creating a service just for them to get them very, very specific results that were worth paying two and three and four times as much for. That's the one problem I have with like, and I'm sure you run into folks like this and maybe, and some of them are my friends. They would just basically tell you, no, you just need to double your prices because you're worth it. Like that message would have never resonated with me. Well, until you have the confidence, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like you can go into a, a client interview and say, yeah, my prices are double. But if you don't feel it, they're not going to feel it. And then they're not going to like hand over their credit card number. I want to thank you because you just took a big old exacto knife to my business for me, like in a good way. Because I, <laughs> okay. so I've been listeners, if you don't know, like for the last, since 2014, I've been building marketing automation for clients and I have my feel good funnels program. I have a do it for you. And I'm not, this isn't meant to be a commercial. I just want to tell you like how Matt just inspired me. I have a done for you. And I, I have a course and then I was doing a do, do it with you or done with you in the middle. But I'm trying to get out of the done for you. Like mm -hmm. the done for you is done for me. <laughs> That's the best way I can say it. Like I'm building my agency so I can be on, I love the mentoring calls, but I don't need to be the one that's behind the scenes building everything out. No. I like, I love having the brainstorming sessions that like blows yeah. me up. But I don't yep. want to be on these weekly calls walking through, okay, show me your stuff. Show me your stuff. You just, it's coming down off the site after this call. Thank you. <laughs> Good. I showed up to a podcast interview one time with a guy who had, who had read the book and really enjoyed it. And he showed up. And one of the first thing you said when I hopped onto the podcast interviews is like, I fired a client today because of you. I'm like, <laughs> like, wait, I made you fire somebody? He's like, yeah, I was reading the, the section on ideal clients and like raising the standard for who an ideal client is. And he's like, I realized that I was in discussions to take on a client who was outside of my normal category that I operate in, but I was going to make an exception for them because they were cool and I wanted to work with them and they had uh -huh. a check. And and he said, he's like, I read that chapter. It's like, I called him up and I said, I really think that I need to help you find another coach that would be a better mm -hmm. fit for you. And he said, after that, he's like, I felt amazing because I realized that I was getting getting off track again. He's like, and I've done that and, and, I, want, and I want to be more focused. And, uh, and the only way you can do that and feel good about that is you have to feel good about the belief that if you get more focused around who the right people are, that you can be super influential in that, that very focused space and that there's plenty of money in that space that if you dominated that part of the market, that you'll run the business of your dreams. Mm -hmm. It just so happens that I seen it modeled for me by some of the people that I kind of got into business with where, and I'll give you a couple examples, like the person I used to work for, and then three of my clients since run multi-million dollar coaching businesses where their services are around between a thousand and two thousand a month. And all of those businesses operate in the same market 
where the entire universe of people who can pay for their services is no more than 15,000 people in any given year. Right. Usually closer to 10 to 12,000. That's an extremely small niche market. Yeah. And one of the podcasts that we produce gets 10,000 downloads a month in that wow. market that's only 12 to 15,000 people. So think about that. Like they've got half the market or something like that, maybe even three quarters of it listening to their podcast. Like that's powerful. So you don't need to have a huge audience. And that was part of why I wrote the book is I just, I have to push on that over and over again. Like you don't need a huge general audience to make big money. You just need the right people and you need to be famously influential to them so that when you offer something, they actually want to sign up. And we just, yeah, we get ourselves tripped up over this stuff all the time. We don't want to turn anybody away. You know, we have five different packages on our website. When we show up to a sales call, we're not sure even what we're going to sell them. Because mm -hmm. we're just waiting to see what they need and then we'll figure yep. out what to offer them. And then, you know, like if one of our packages fit, maybe we'll work out something custom for them. You know, <sighs> like we're, we do this stuff all the time. And it's, yeah, it's just, it, it makes it really, really hard to build any systems on the back end that give us any freedom as the, as the owner. wanted to take a quick break from today's episode and ask you if you need to take a break from your business. Maybe you're working too many hours. Maybe you're trying to work on too many things. Maybe you have too many clients who just really aren't aligned with your greater purpose. If this sounds like you, I want to offer you an opportunity to join the Positive Productivity Pod, my monthly mentorship and coaching community. For only a dollar, you can jump in, get started, and enjoy 10 days in the community where you will meet so many awesome entrepreneurs. And then twice a month, you'll be able to hop on a live call with all of us and get the feedback that you need in that very moment for your business. If you're interested in starting today for only a dollar, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pod to get started. You're giving me so much clarity and I have already been like paring down and paring down and paring down and knowing who I'm not working with anymore and like just being really firm in my rates. Mm -hmm. And thank you. Have you ever met or read Mike Michalowicz? Yeah. yeah I'm going first. through, uh, I'm rereading Profit First right now, but I read stuff like Pumpkin Plan okay, years ago, yet. which is freaking amazing. Like for an agency owner, it's amazing because okay, it's basically like, it. hey, take take your ideal client, figure out exactly what makes them tick and then go out and find more of them. That yep. I took that to heart 100%. I think that was a one of those drops in the buckets that led to my decision. Well, so I just read Profit First earlier this year. And when he's talking about the landscape or the, the lawn guy who sees that the gutters need clean and then he sees that the roof needs repair and now the chimney, that was always me, yeah. but I didn't know how to do everything. And then I kept on getting screwed on the back end when the team members that I would hire would just go AWOL and like disappear. Mm -hmm. It's like, what am I supposed to do now? I, you know, I got paid to do this work. So am I going to learn it or am I going to spend like another 10 to 20 hours trying to find mm -hmm. somebody new? And it's like, why am I doing this to myself? Mm -hmm. If I don't know how to do it, then just don't offer it. Yeah. And there was, um, so I, I came to that conclusion through a different way. I was reading David Baker's book, The Business of Expertise, which is amazing. And he said something to the effect of, if you are taking on clients in niches or industries that you don't know very well, just understand that you're getting the client to pay for your education. You're getting the client to pay you to tinker. Mm-hmm in a space where you don't know, you don't really have the expertise to deliver results yet. And you're hoping right. that you'll be able to figure it out on the fly. And that like hit me right here. Like, oh, I'm getting, they're paying me. I'm getting them to pay me to tinker. And they don't know it because I'm telling them I can get them results in a space I know nothing about. I'm like, okay, that helped free me up because then I'm like, well, wait a minute. There's a space where I do know exactly how to get people results. Why am I not hanging out in there and finding more clients in that space? Well, it's because I'm getting distracted by all this other stuff. Yep. And that's the problem is we, we lose track of the people that are out there that don't have names and faces yet, but could buy our core service. Mm -hmm. And we're getting distracted by the people that do show up and they do have names and faces and they've got a check that they want to hand us to do something that we're not good at yet. Yeah. And we take that check and we go, I'll figure out how to get good at it. 
and we shortchange those clients and ourselves at the expense of all the other people that are out there that could buy one thing from us that we're really good at where we know we can get people results and our business would be a lot better off. But they don't have names and faces yet because they're kind of out there and we have to go right. find them. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard part is we have to turn away the check that's right here in front uh-huh. of us to go find the check that's out there. And that's where most people struggle is they just can't turn down that check that's right here in front of them right now. Yeah. Yeah. But that's where it all starts. So you work with thought leaders. I work with thought leaders in a different capacity. One of my struggles has been with working with the thought leaders who I actually, okay, this is going to be really mean, but they're not quite thought leaders. They know they want a business. They know they want to be a business or life coach because that's who I was with at that point but they don't really know what they're selling yet. They need ideas on what they're selling. They're not hiring me. I just want to be perfectly clear. They were never hiring me to coach them along this process or to consult with them about what they're actually building, but they were actually working with me to build what they were building. Right. But all of a sudden it turned into, hey, Kim, uh, can you write these emails? Can you come up with all the copy for the sales page? I really don't know what I'm selling yet, but I need you to put it into words. Like... (laughs) (laughs) sure let's just get my magician hat and this is making me sound really snarky today (laughs) listeners i am sorry i am snarky kim today but that there's nothing more that could drive me crazy than that because it's like wait am i building your business or am i building another business for myself right and then i get it all built and they don't do anything with it Mm -hmm. it's like I, I look at some of them now, they have these amazing websites and amazing funnels out there and these amazing blogs that I help them put together. And there's hasn't been a new blog article put up. Okay, let's not even get into whether or not you should yeah. be blogging because of the, right. <laughs> but nothing has been put out there as far as content yeah. in the last two years. It's like, okay, yeah. well that ends I don't that's not who I want to work with anymore. You know what your message is. Like yeah. Now you're just looking for those perfect people. How do you feel about people who talk about going wide and then going deep or just going deep to start? I mean, I'm feeling Mm. like I really, in 2020, I didn't mean to go wide. I just sort of stumbled on it and I found a whole new group of people that I love working with, but I unintentionally went wide and I'm loving it. So maybe this is just not the year to be looking at it, but- what would you say if somebody came to you and said, do I cast a wide net and then go down? Okay. That is an excellent question, especially this year because like almost all bets are off. You know, when, when COVID hit March and April, so many people had to pivot because they just realized that their core audience couldn't afford to pay them. Yeah. You know, I mean, people just, some people's businesses just got wiped out. I know people that took $100,000 a month haircuts on, on their business. So that's one thing. If this are a normal environment, I would tell somebody you go wide until the point where you find out who the right people are, find the people, then start narrowing down on what's the one thing you want to sell them. So people first, product second, mm-hmm. right? That's one of the things that really helped me. The most helpful question I've ever stumbled across for that is one time I just randomly asked myself, if one of my clients texted me out of the blue and said, hey, I just flew into San Diego, can I buy you a drink? Who would I love to hear from and who wouldn't I? Who, who do I, whose call do I want to avoid? So that helped me right away figure out who, who my right people were. Who's the person I would actually want to hang out with if they flew into town and surprised me? So that allowed me to nail it down to exactly who I wanted to spend time with. I knew I wanted to offer podcasting. So then, then I was able to move in the direction of, okay, now that I know who the right person is, now I can start to take my service and customize it from the ground up for that person. And that's what led me to the one thing for one, one kind of person. I didn't start off that way because I had to go wide at first to work with enough people doing enough different types of things to figure out what I was good at. Yeah. So you, you have to go wide first, but you understand like if you, if you know what the goal is, you're always going to be moving towards who's the one type of person and what's the one thing that I'm going to sell them. If you don't agree that that's the goal, you'll never get there. You will always be stuck in that place of doing a million things for a million people because the, if you're halfway good, and halfway smart, those opportunities are just going to keep rolling in. And if you take every opportunity that rolls in, you'll be stuck in freelancer land. You'll be working 40, 50, 60 hours a week, making 50 bucks an hour. 
And you'll never break out of that. The only way to break out of that is to figure out who's the one person and what's the one thing I'm going to sell them. And then you start scaling that up. So yeah, anyway, that's the, uh, that's what I would tell people is it, it depends on what stage you're in, especially with COVID, do what it takes to survive. You know, some people had to go wide and that's fine. But as soon as like go wide with the intent that you're going to try to go deep as quickly as you figure out who that right person is and then start narrowing down to how do I tailor what I do? So that it speaks so deep to that right person that when they hear about my service, they go, holy cow, I've got to learn more about that. Okay, this I so shouldn't be sharing this, but now that I say that I need to. If you had said the who would I want to have drinks with question mm-hmm. six months ago, like right before COVID, I would have said, well, I gave up drinking. <laughs> notice i said drink not alcohol so if you're a coffee person like i am that could mean okay. i flew in, i flew into town let's go well, can i buy you a coffee my thought immediately went to alcohol yeah because <laughs> that gave, sounds that sounds like more of a you problem than a than a me well, problem so i i had i had given up alcohol for nine eight months nine yeah. months i don't know i made it through august of 2020 that's pretty good. With all <laughs> you five, went through, you went through the entire COVID thing with five kids. With didn't five have a kids drink at home, five and months. That's I hilarious. did. And now that good they're back you. at school, I'm celebrating. <laughs> yes, but no, on no, a side, a I must share that here in Ohio, restaurants are reopened, and our our yeah. Mexican restaurant is incredible. They're back open, fifty percent capacity. But we're eating dinner there, celebrating a kid's birthday, and I had gotten a big margarita, and I couldn't finish it. And I was shocked when the waiter came up and said, "Would you like your margarita to go?" Yeah, yeah. It's like. <laughs> Like we, that has never happened before this year. We tried to do that eight years ago and you said I couldn't. He's like, oh yeah, no problem. Styrofoam mm-hmm. cup, pour it in, put it in a paper bag, seal it up with tape and give me a straw and out the door. <laughs> 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 like, awesome. <laughs> yeah, but that's a really great question though. I love that. Like regardless of whether it's a margarita or a coffee, like who would I want to have a drink with or who I would, who would I not? And I think that's a great way of determining it for the future. So as a thought leader, what would you personally want to be known for? Is it micro famous or is there something? Yeah. And that's, that's taken a lot of time to kind of circle around and figure mm-hmm. out what I wanted to be known for. But yes, I'm, I'm a hundred percent fine. If like uh, five years from now, I'm still the micro famous guy, yeah. you know, a few years ago when I was podcast production guy or even real estate uncensored guy, you know, that podcast has a million and a half downloads. I'm mm. to a lot of people. I'm still the co-host of real estate uncensored and that's fine. But yeah, I figured out what I wanted to be known for. I want to be known as the guy that helps people engineer influence online. And if I do that for the rest of my life, for this group of people, I'm okay with it. And that's hard to get to that point. So many people have a hard time going, this is what I want to be known for. And I'm okay if I'm linked to this one thing because they want to be known for five different things. And I was like, well, that's not how people's brains work. Mm -hmm. You know, figure out one thing and you're going to have to be okay with the fact that they don't know all the other amazing facets of your personality. Let the people that get into your world find out those amazing things about you. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that I'm, that I enjoy playing music and stuff like that in my spare time, I don't expect to get quote unquote known in my business circles for being a musician first. Like that doesn't right. make any sense. I'm right. going to be the micro famous guy. And then if you get into my world, you'll find out other things about me like that. And that's fine. You just have to like at an identity level, you have to get okay with being known for one thing. I love that on so many different levels too. And that's something I never say in real life is I love that. Like, <laughs> my husband's like, is this like an alternate you? Well, um, <laughs> Margarita inspired just a week and a half ago. I, I was like, you know, I need to make mom be a brand. I've been joking with clients and with friends. Hey, don't mind how I look when we go on video today. Cause I'm in mom mode, mom zombie. Mm-hmm. Like I just need to make that a thing. Mom-by. <laughs> yeah. So I went and bought the URL and I like, for the longest time, I was avoiding any type of mom brand because I was like, well, my kids are going to be out of the house someday and I'm going to celebrate. But yeah. I realized, okay, well, I can have fun with this for a couple of years and then I can sell it because mm-hmm. I don't want to be the mom bee forever. But in the, in the meantime, and again, this was a, a margarita-inspired idea, which is taking off, <laughs> but it's going to be the non-PC place for moms to be. Like, mm-hmm. come in, say what you're really thinking about the big pile of laundry in your living room and the people who didn't do it. 
and, and let's have fun. So that's part of it. But um, my friend Richie, you might actually know him, Richie Ote. He asked me a couple of weeks ago, he said, so what do you want to be known as? We've been friends for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. He's like, do you want to be known as the funnel person or the person who knows how to do Pinterest really well to get your podcast out there? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, then what do you want to be known as? I want to help people work smarter and not harder. I want to get people away from their computers and back into bed. <laughs> and that comes, okay. you know, a little wink, wink, yeah. you know, but self-care is important. Just like you, I can't be working 10 hours a day. Yeah. And that's a big discovery. Like, I feel like I've grown up from the collegiate self. I went to school for interior architecture, so I was pulling all-nighters all the time. But even just in the past couple of years, like I was pulling all-nighters a couple of years ago. I can't do that anymore. I like, I can feel the anxiety go through the roof after one day of not enough sleep now. And I'm Mm -hmm. not willing to sacrifice that. No. What is one thing that you do for yourself every day that you're not willing to give up? Oh man. After this year, I don't know that I will ever schedule calls in the afternoon with any regularity ever again. Really? Yeah. Hmm. No, I think I figured out like, look, I work, I'm single. I, you know, I, I work six to seven mornings a week yeah. because that's how I choose to do it, you know, but four of those days a week, I don't have calls, you know, like it's working on stuff that I want to work on. I think I just came to the decision within myself that if I find myself having to book calls more than 20 hours a week, I've overcommitted myself. 20 hours a week, like, holy moly. Like I wouldn't be able to do that period anyway. Are you an extrovert? No, introvert. And you can handle 20 hours? Yeah, I would say uh, Tuesday through Friday with, yeah, I'm usually on three to four hours of calls a day in the morning from eight to noon, seven to noon, something like that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I discovered out of all this that, or in this past six months that I don't want to do morning calls and I only (laughs) want to do one to two calls a day. So two hours max. Yeah. And after that, leave me the heck alone. And if you dare try to call my phone without texting to see if I'm busy first, be prepared for the wrath of Kim. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm famously unavailable. Yeah. Like, like my, yeah, my clients know it. You know, we've got account managers for the day-to-day stuff. So, like, I'm available only for the strategic conversations. You're an, I'm not the one you text me if you have a question about, you know, right. the way the podcast looks on Apple today or something like that. I only get involved at the strategic level. And then, yeah, I mean, the rest of the time when I'm not running the agency, which is only Tuesday mornings, essentially, the rest of the time is my podcast, mm-hmm. you know, calls that I choose, uh, hosting, you know, like uh, that, that kind of thing. And so that does make a difference. It's not, I'm not managing clients for tw- like 20 hours a week. Right. I pay somebody else to do that so that I, I do stuff that push the business forward, like getting interviewed, like things right. that I enjoy, conversations right. that are fun, you know? So that does make a difference, but that is the one thing I won't go back to is I don't think I'll ever go back to scheduling, you know, calls in the afternoon because that's when my energy dips and that's when I want to withdraw and be alone and recharge. Mm. So yeah, I don't think I'll ever give that up. I want to offer this one hack and then I want to ask you where listeners can find you. But just recently I updated the do not disturb settings on my iPhone. Mm -hmm. Like my family's in New York. So they all have the do not disturb while I'm driving message that comes up. Mm -hmm. But mine actually says I'm unavailable right now. Email me to set up a time that we can talk Mm. because like, just don't, it's funny to think that I'm a child of the eighties. So you would just pick up the phone and call, right? <laughs> right. but don't just pick up at the phone and call me like set up a time. Yeah. I'm a child of the eighties too, but I did not get that, that gene. I, I do not pick up the phone. My voicemail box is permanently full thanks to a screw up at Verizon. So literally if you call me, I will not pick up and it will go to voicemail and you will be unable to leave a voicemail. So my clients text me if they, if they do want something and they know that that's few and far between. But yeah, I'm such a fan of Dan Kennedy and I love that approach of being famously unavailable because it's the only way to get things done, you know, and, and push your business forward. You have to be, you have to have time to make good decisions, do lots of deep work, get stuff done that actually push the business forward. I love that your voicemail is is permanently full. I I mean, and I, it's unfortunate that it was unintentional, but like my voicemail messages for both our house and my cell phone both say, I won't listen to your voicemail, so don't bother leaving. <laughs> yeah, I used to have. I used to have that. 
And then they're like transcribed and sent to you and stuff like that. I took that to, I also did the thing on my iPhone where I have no notifications. Yeah, me too. So no, no text notifications, no Facebook, no Instagram. I don't even have Instagram on my phone anymore. Like no phone call, like my phone ringer doesn't go out, like nothing, nothing. Like you call or text me and nothing happens. I have to decide to pick up the phone and check to see yep. if somebody messaged me, which that makes a huge difference too. I don't have, I don't have something distracting me while my phone is sitting here. It just sits there. And what about on your, is it the same on your computer too? Because the second yeah. that I shut it off on my phone and my computer, I couldn't believe how much more productive I got. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything, zero notifications on my laptop ever. Yeah. Which by the way, you mentioned just the promise of like getting away from the computer, get back in bed. I'm telling that is a very compelling idea to entrepreneurs. Like I have literally sketched out like almost like an idea, like a thought experiment. What if I never needed to get on a computer to run my business? Mm. Right. So that like, if you can get the technology and the automation set up so that you can run things by phone, by talking to people, you have somebody else checking your email. Yeah. Like you just have automation and things running in your business. So that yeah. the business doesn't depend on you sitting down and being productive at a computer. Yeah. That is a big, compelling, yeah. interesting promise to an entrepreneur. Like to just be able to like run your business from your phone because all the automation is set up on the back end. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. Like that is, that is something I've thought about. Like I don't, I don't need the latest, greatest computer. I don't need the latest edition of Photoshop or, or Illustrator on my computer. The right. business doesn't depend on any of that. It depends on me leading, which right. means I need to be able to talk to people on the phone. That is all. Yeah, I'm doing this from a three-year-old laptop because I don't need the latest, greatest computer to run the business, which is really nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Love it. Well, Matt, where can people find you, know more, get a copy of your book, all that great stuff? Yeah. So the website is getmicrofamous.com. Uh, we're still building it out, but uh, for now, all the links to the book, the podcast are there. You can actually get a free digital copy of the book. So um, you can get that. Uh, obviously, if you want the physical copy, like I've got here, I'm a, I'm a physical copy kind of guy. Uh, just go to Amazon. Awesome. Listeners, if you are trying not to burn dinner on your elliptical and don't want to fall off or driving, you don't need to write this down, but you can go to thekimsutton.com forward slash pp six eight. Two, and you'll find all the links for all the books that we talked about today. Matt's social media links, the links to his books and all that great stuff. Matt, I don't cook dinner. I burn it. I don't do any. So like part of the Mombi's brand, I'm actually going to design an apron that says exactly that. Eat at your own risk because... <laughs> no, we're not eating gourmet tonight. Or any night. <laughs> yep. Yeah, my oh, I love it. my eighteen. Oh, I have an eighteen year old. He just turned eighteen Goodness. last week. He knows how to cook better than I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it. My sister got that way. I've got a, a much younger sister, and she ended up being the one that cooked for the family towards the end of her stay. And yeah, probably cooks better than all of us. Yeah, yeah. But well, thank you so much again, listeners. Thekimsutton.com forward slash pp six eight two. Go find Matt. Matt, every bit of this since the second that we got on has been awesome. Now that my bloopers have returned, holy moly! I think that's a sign of peace out. You know, I learned that one from my my from my fifteen year old. That's how he responds to me when he's getting out of the car. Peace he out. Just, he gives me like the peace sign. Peace. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how about a kiss on the cheek or something? You know, thanks, mom, for the ride. Peace out. No, I, I know. My yeah. co-host on the real estate podcast does that. He ends off every episode with peace out ninjas. <laughs> I just feel like I'm too old. <laughs> he has no excuse. He's older than both of us. So okay. I have no idea what his excuse is. Well, but maybe anyway, it works this has him. been a blast. Yeah, it has. Thank you so much, <laughs> listeners. Leave a comment down below. Let us know what you think. And until the next episode, go forth and make it a positive and a productive day. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Mm -hmm.